This week, talking to the executive director of New York Cares, who shares how they are raising hundreds of thousands of coats and raising hundreds of thousands of dollars from their Rising Leader program. Lots to learn here. This is Using the Whole Whale, stories of data and technology in the social impact world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to episode 107, and we are speaking with Gary Bagley, the executive director of New York Cares and the amazing programs they're running. Frankly, too many to count, but uh, in terms of activity, they're big and they're smart, a dangerous combination. For the conversation, I drill in on one program in particular, their Code Drive, and I want you to really think about how simple but how smart using SMS technologies to have a clear call to action to give cash for coats that augments their existing drives and has really helped them push it over into the, the next level for impact for the organization. Also note the undertones of measuring what matters. These tones kind of come through in any program they're looking at. Does it return value based on how much it takes to do? Do the unit economics work out or do we have to modify things? Have hard conversations in order to make sure programs are operating the way they should. I'm also really, uh, you know, I'm just impressed with how transparent Gary is in this conversation about how they manage their young professional network, or as they call it, their rising leader council. And and in that, you know, the, the great return they're getting, but it, it took time. They had to grow the program year by year, doing the right things in the right way. But as they say, when is the best time to plant a redwood tree? both 20 years ago and today. And so hopefully this is going to inspire you a little bit to do just that. I am here with none other than Gary Bagley, Executive Director of New York Cares. Gary, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you, George? Oh, I'm doing well today because uh, I love our conversations because you are such a numbers-driven organization, and it's easy when you have like over half a million New Yorkers being impacted by your work. But for those uh, in the audience that have not heard of New York Cares, can you give us a rundown of the organization and your role? Sure thing. Uh, I am the executive director of New York Cares. We are the largest network of volunteers in New York City. Last year, 65,000 individuals uh, gave back to help make New York City a better place to live for everyone here. Um, we have a base of uh, volunteers who have been active with us that is uh, much larger than that. Um, interestingly, uh, we are also the largest affiliate of Points of Light, which is the largest organization dedicated to volunteer service globally. So I, I sort of thinking think of us as New York City's um, largest organization dedicated to volunteerism and Points of Light as the world's. And so uh, we, we definitely think of volunteerism first, 
uh, and then think about where we can best direct that strategy, which is a little different than a lot of nonprofits who, of course, start with a social mission and then think of volunteers as one strategy for meeting that. And so what's awesome about New York Cares, obviously helping out in my hometown and serving as a model for how big cities should uh, work for each other, not against each other. Uh, one of them is the coat drive uh, of many things. I mean, you're dealing with yes. education, you're dealing with green spaces, you're dealing with taxes. You, I mean, but the coat <laughs> drive's coming up, and I yes. think you're doing some very clever things. Can you share uh, a little bit more about that program? Sure thing. Uh, we are kicking off the 30th annual coat drive this year, um, which is an exciting milestone. And, and rather by coincidence, it will also be the distribution of the two millionth coat. Um, so we're bringing those two milestones together. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the most basic sort of food, shelter, clothing needs that people have really resonate for us, especially at the holiday, holiday times when we're so um, focused, each of us, on how much we have in our lives, right? So um, the coat drive, um, you know, has continued to grow, but I do like let, to let folks know that we, you know, one of the reasons we're frankly trying a lot of what, what I think are some neat ideas to push both the collection higher, raise awareness around homelessness, um, is that the coat drive for a number of years was sort of stuck. Now, we were collecting and distributing on average 70,000 coats a year. Nothing, uh, nothing to be ashamed of, certainly, for an organization our size. At the same time, we have 1.7 million people living below the poverty line in New York City. So the, the the feeling was if we could push that number higher, it certainly wasn't a lack of need. It was a need we weren't meeting. So uh, when you talk about being numbers driven, we worked with a team from KKR, uh, who was a very strong partnership with New York Cares. And, and I would say is an example of a corporation who through pro bono really became deeply engaged in our work. Um, they're first exposure to us was in trying to figure out how they could be helpful, and, and we came up with this. Anyway, through some analysis, there were a couple big things that we realized. First was that as a good-hearted organization, we were collecting in areas where it was costing us almost as much as a brand new coat to go collect the used coat from that neighborhood, right? And obviously, uh, anybody who cares about the homeless would want us to get more coats on backs, less than they would be concerned about whether we picked up a coat in, in some hard to access area or with a collection that only was able to get one coat. So a couple things came up. First, we streamlined that freed up resource to um, support partnerships that did deliver a lot of coats better. Right. And those were two key partnerships. One was the NYPD, um, which has been a partner since day one of the drive. Uh, you know, New Yorker can go into any police precinct in the five boroughs, um, drop off a coat 24 hours a day starting this year, November 13th through December 31st. So that that partnership, when well managed, delivered great fruit. The other um, was that we discovered that 
the folks who actually push our drive the highest are all those wonderful community-based leaders who run a coat drive at their company, run it at their, you know, in their apartment building, the Girl Scout Troop, the Boy Scout Troop, all of those groups. And so um, we built a strategy to better support them and to and to get more. And then the third strategy was to utilize technology. So three years ago, we piloted um, a program that then two years ago had, been, had shown enough promise that we launched fully and that we call Cash for Coats. And part of our analysis with KKR told us that all in, meaning, you know, about $2 of administration for New York Cares to take care of everything we have to take care of, plus about $18 would put a brand new coat on the back of a New Yorker who needs it. So Clash for Coats is $20 brand new coat on the back of a New Yorker who needs it, text coat to 41444. Um, then you can still do that this year if you're listening um, <laughs> to this podcast now. Um the the uh, the specificity of it really appealed to folks, as well as a couple key partnerships. We were able to work with Bank of America, who did a twenty five thousand dollar challenge grant on Giving Tuesday, um, which ended up, by the way, generating almost ninety thousand dollars in its first year. Right, so it was a simple action: text code four one four four four. You get back a link. You can buy one coat, two coats, as I would say, a hundred coats or a thousand coats if you're so moved. Um, so anyway, the specificity of that action has pushed it even higher. Of course, we have, and by the way, um, that strategy alone um, took us from a 70,000 uh, coat, coat drive up to 105,000 last year. Yeah, and also so, saved a lot of the labor of picking up because you were able to bulk and then you get discount on bulk purchase. Exactly. And so we get bulk purchase, bulk delivery. Um, the coats are already sorted because, uh, you know, uh, coats that come in through the pranks, police precinct, there's men's, women's, children's, toddlers, coats all together. There are items that aren't really winter coats, right? They might be a sweater. You don't obviously want to give a homeless person a sweater in January only you want to do that in addition so um it, it freed up a lot a lot of of capacity for us and so with the same amount of staff capacity warehouse capacity everything we've been able to grow the coat drive by over a third that's really amazing and i yeah. love the use of technology willingness to experiment and then all of a sudden uh you know you're driving it up the extra third of your your codes coming from it. It's a it's a great model and a reminder about the specificity of ask. A simple like give to help the homeless type of text probably would have fallen flat baseline. Having it as a tangible, you happen to be wearing a coat. It's cold outside. You know who would like a coat? Someone in need. That's what we do. And you're leveraging the trusted brand as the delivery agent. It's not just you know do a specific ask. By the way, you need an organization 30 years plus running with a great brand. But I think uh, the right elements in place. I want to move, though, to how your uh, your fundraising operation. You mentioned a little bit about Giving Tuesday, which is awesome. We love Giving Tuesday. But can you tell us a little bit about your Rising Leader Council or what I would call your Young Professional Network? Sure thing. This is a group, you know, New York Cares, um, for anybody who doesn't know us, two-thirds of our volunteers are between the ages of 18 and 34. Um, 
And because of that, um, I, I, I always tell folks when people started to think about young professional networks or junior boards, our phone was ringing off the hook because we had 20,000 people who fit that demographic who were starting to think about how do I give back, um, wanting both, uh, you know, understandably, not just to give back at a different level, looking for leadership opportunities, uh, realizing, especially in, an, in a market like New York City. Listen, if I want to be ready for a board of a certain size when I'm 40 or 45, I will want to have had some kind of board experience then. So um, our phone started ringing off the hook, gosh, 12, 13 years ago. Um, we played around with it quite a bit and over time. And, you know, one of the things I, I often joke about is is to say if you know if at New York cares we're not managing a volunteer group better than anybody else we have to sort of turn our mission in at the door and, and right, <laughs> we should be able to uh, figure out a good way to get a group of volunteers to work together so you know part of that is about clear expectations uh, part of it is about like any group you know clear goals a clear structure, uh, for supporting those goals. And so, you know, as as the group grew, they also were self-managing, right? They recognized, hey, we're a group of 30 people. 20 of them aren't quite doing as much as those 10 who are, you know, doing everything. And, and that's group dynamic, right? That's not unusual. But they started to think about how can we be a better group? How can we be a more effective group? And we had focused them primarily on the revenue line, right? Supporting us through events that would be especially appealing to their age group, help us build our network and our brand amongst, you know, the friends and their supporters. So they really came up with, you know, what ends up being just good board governance kind of, of uh, practices, right? So they, uh, they have a recruitment committee. Um, they have goals for what they want that to look like. They have a give-get. They uh, primarily are focused on social events to raise money. So they also have a chair who is, you know, drives the main event of the year. And their soiree this year raised $260,000. So this is a significant and contributing group. And as I'm always say, you know, proud to uh, always push themselves harder. Um, really, a couple practices that I, I think are good beyond the basic governance practices is, you know, for, for my board of directors, um, who are a really wonderful and dedicated group and recognize that the core demographic that we're working with is really the age of the rising leaders council, right? So recognizing that they, like any good board, need input from the community and the main sort of stakeholders of an organization, um, our board president prioritized interaction with the rising leader council. Um, that's taken a couple forms, but one is that a, the small executive committee of the rising leaders, a member of that committee, is a guest at every single board meeting throughout the year so that the rising leaders can understand what's being discussed at the board level, communicate that back 
um, to their to the council. And then secondly, our annual uh, meeting of the board um, is a time when I, you know, we, we have certain business to do. We have to adopt the annual budget, et cetera. But it's also a time for me and the senior team to get folks engaged around the question of what's on the plan for the coming year. And so that meeting is a joint meeting of the rising leaders and the board, which is a cozy group of about 60. Um, but it, it's very interesting over the years because the board also wants to know, and part of their responsibility is to know, do these strategies resonate um, for the volunteer who actually volunteers with New York Cares every day? So our rising leader council, uh, you know, that their input really helps on that front. It also really helps them to know, first of all, you know, that the board supports their efforts, that they're pushing in a good direction. Uh, and then for their own you know, careers, for their own professional interests, they want to um, have exposure to the folks on the board and the board wants exposure to them. So uh, it's really worked out to be uh, a sort of a key, both fundraising and volunteer engagement strategy. Because I should say, by the way, they go out and volunteer as a group several times throughout the year. So they want their work to be fundraising and mission-based. And that's what, what I want for all 65,000 volunteers, to, you know, yeah. to, to aspire to. So they're doing a great, great job. Yeah. So for, for those of us listening at home, you're saying, well, I wouldn't mind 30 engaged young people raising a quarter million in a, in a single event. That sounds great. Uh, so obviously, Gary, this happened overnight. You simply flip the <laughs> switch and you're like, great, that was easy. Uh, can you talk to me I, well, about how long and also the, the journey of staff time? Interesting. Great questions, George. The I would say, you know, this is one of those 10-year uh, overnight successes. Love um, those. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. And, and you know, I, I, I've told a lot of folks that, you know, three years or so in, I think the staff, we all sort of got together and said, okay, listen, you know, um, how much does this group have to raise um, to really both be a support of our efforts and a good use of staff time? And I should say, by the way, um, we have we had had several age groups, right? The the young professionals tended to be the thirty something. We also had some twenty something uh, engagement where it looked more like a happy hour than a you know, if an upscale a dance party um, like the soiree. So I will say when we look through, we said, listen, where is the time being well used? And on on something like a happy hour, we basically looked and said we ran the numbers and said, you know what? It's faster. and We raise more money if somebody here just does that. Right. Like it's wonderful to engage your community. But it would need to be light, right? Reach out, see if anybody knows anybody, get some free gifts. But all the planning meetings and, you know, all that organizing of that group just wasn't worth it. Um, the rising leaders, the real key was if we could establish this leadership network that to a certain extent self-managed, that would make it worth the staff time. Uh, and so it definitely is a, you know, the, the soiree. Uh, is a significant lift starting in January time, uh, probably February in most intensely to get to an April or May event. Um, but that being said, it's also 
been timed at a time of the year when that is um, when staff has more capacity to direct. Smart, them. interesting. So, so you can sort of play the availability utilization. Yes. It kind of helped us really sort of plug in, like there's some time to work with this. Uh, and I should say, by the way, the rising leaders meet monthly, um, the leadership, um, there are co-chairs who lead that. They usually are on a call two weeks before that meeting to prepare. Very good, very sort of goal objective driven and, um, and, and you know, knocking it out of the park. But I would say the sooner you can get to the uh, somewhat course uh, by some people's, uh, you know, evaluation of, you know, is this paying for itself? Um, first, the better you can feel about it, if it's not paying for itself, it really helps you clarify, well, what does it need to do to pay for itself? And then you can look at where are we today, two years from now, can we turn this into a quarter of a million dollar event? If we don't have a play for that, then, you know, your young professionals are professionals, right? include them in the in, in this discussion and, and say, listen, this is the amount we have to raise to get there. Can you folks do that? Um, if not, is there another way this engagement can look so that it contributes to the organization without being, you know, the drain on staff time when we could be raising bigger dollars, right? They'll get it what an opportunity cost is. And, and I think a lot of our, you know, real upping of the uh, standards really came from including the leadership there to say, like, here's what we have to do to make this viable. We don't want to let this one go. There were other events where we said, here's what we need to do to make this viable. Let's not do this anymore. <laughs> right? Because it, it wasn't it wasn't enough value add for them, for us, for anybody. And, you know, I often say, you know, in nonprofit, we're all such nice people that we forget that the nicest thing we can do is stop doing something that none of us feel really good about. <laughs> so. Yeah, I love that. I really love that. Although, you know, it's it's tough when you're sitting in the room saying, we've got three years of data to look at mm -hmm. and a lack of ROI. Like, you know, I, I think it's important to, to force that shift, but, you know, hindsight being what it is, brilliant move and not just sort of, you know, throwing it out and instead saying, right. what needs to change? Because there are elements that we like, but what needs to change rather than continuing in a system that is clearly broken or break even? Yep. And, and you know, good folks, I think like any kind of board management or volunteer management, when you're feeling the need to make a change, you, you need to look at those few people that you think get it. Um, right out of the gate, you you need to have conversations with them. You need to engage them. Um, it is always best if the decision comes from the group. Um, and you may have a vision for where you think that decision needs to go. It's it's rarely, first of all, it's rarely complete. Um, and then secondly, it's if even if it is, it's it's not good to force it on folks who who don't fully understand it the way you. Man, I love this as a model. I mean, it's obviously not for everyone, but it's something I personally believe in a whole bunch about getting this next generation ready to be these leaders rather than suddenly handing them the keys to, you know, the the car when they have no experience driving. And, uh, you know, near cares is obviously in a, in a league of its own. But thank you for sharing those thoughts. Sure. Uh, you have, on the topic of technology, Yes. Coming back to this, some interesting dev planned uh, for smarter volunteer tracking and management. 
And uh, can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, we are thrilled. You know, we're, we're launching a new strategic plan. I should say launching. We've been in sort of the, the beginnings of a launch phase for just over a year now where we've been kind of putting all the pieces together, figuring out what support needs to look like and going after it. And one of the biggest things that is a, a huge opportunity right now um, with have, especially having a younger volunteer group is there's a strong desire, even like we just said with the rising leaders, right? We want opportunities for leadership, opportunities for professional development, and um, a, there's a stronger desire to understand the issues on through which you're serving, right? To understand, have a better context. So um, between that and also then being able to better evaluate New York Care's impact, we, we came up with an idea that we call a volunteer digital connect. Um, as I always say, we're, you know, in the market for a fancier name if anybody's got one. But, <laughs> I you know, as, as often happens, the uh, proposal was due and that was the name. <laughs> So, so shall it be called. Um, but, you know, it's an exciting program for me because first, you know, we're, we're just so, to, so listeners have a context, about 11,000 people will go out and volunteer every month through New York Cares programs. And then that will peak at different times of the year, right? And these folks may be going out to read to a child, you know, in the South Bronx. They might be visiting a senior in Brooklyn. Uh, they might be doing some community green space working in Queens, right? So how do we, you know, get information out to them um, that is consistent on brand and, and really also carries the values of New York Cares along, right? Up till now, our work uh, has been primarily driven by the, the, the logistics, right? A, a volunteer needs to know, like, when am I there? What do I need when I show up? You know, where's the door? Who's got the keys? All that good stuff. So one of the uh, the ways that we uh, are, are looking at doing this is through a digital platform uh, and delivery, which um, would would basically contextualize for a volunteer their service before they go. So imagine it's 48 hours before your project and you get, and we're not sure whether this will be a text, an email, uh, an app notification. We have to work out the specifics of the, of the digital experience, but the basic idea is you're going to get contextualizing experience. Like, so thank you for going to, you know, PS123X on Wednesday morning. Here's a little bit more about the school. Here's a bit about the community that it sits in. Here's a little bit about what's happening in education in New York City or nutrition or green space, whatever it may be. And hopefully for that volunteer, when they show up to the project, that's helped contextualize the experience. Now, here in New York City, and I think this happens in volunteerism in so many areas, um, most of our volunteers will serve in either a neighborhood that they're not familiar with, possibly uh, with, you know, a group of folks that they serve with or for um, or do not reflect their own background. Right. So it's also incredibly important that we're building a respectful experience. Right. In New York Cares, our vision, you know, isn't that you need to go save 
the, the, the kids at PS123X, right? Um, we know that the parents, administration, the community around 123X has goals and want that school to succeed and that you're coming in to support that effort. So we have more opportunity to really directly make sure that those values are lived there. Um, our volunteer projects are all led by a volunteer team leader. And that's a, an individual who will be there on the day to actually guide the project and manage the experience for our volunteers. They need to be able to support those messages. And then after the experience, um, more than just a customer service, it, was this a good experience? We want to be able to get in there and, and have what I would call more reflection-oriented communication, right? Um, how, you know, was this experience uh, what you were expecting. Um, if not, you know, would you like more resources? Are you interested in another kind of program? Would you like to go back to PS123X? What would that take? Um, what, what else would you want to know, et cetera? So hopefully we know that a volunteer who first believes that their work had an impact and that understands their work are more likely to serve more. So through that, we'll be able to track a few things. One, is there increased engagement from folks who use this kind of information? And can we drive greater commitment there? I think we also have an opportunity, and we're still in the decision-making process on this, but you know, we can also look and go, hey, if somebody goes out and does a reading project and then gets this kind of follow-up information, do they actually start to explore more on the topic? of education, right? Um, if we're creating sort of a resource library or a partnership with, you know, sort of key education uh, policy organizations, for instance, can we see are our volunteers through their service driven to explore more? We know later down the line, that will probably mean that they'll be more philanthropic. It may change whether or how much they vote uh, and some really key civic engagement indicators that we would like to encourage through well, Gary, you're obviously not excited about this at all. I'm not can, at all. I can hear it in the tone <laughs> of your voice, the general disdain for <laughs> the impact on empathy and adding context. What I love about it is this is so New York cares. It's not just, hey, we're pointing toward you know, people toward volunteers and just making these handshakes, you're thinking about the the storytelling at an individual narrative level to improve the quality of the experience on both sides, the amount of empathy and respect. And then downstream, you're going to be measuring retention. You're going to be measuring uh, how they're going to be working with the organization. So I think it's a terrible idea. Don't do it. Stop <laughs> it immediately. Give it another acronym. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Gary, we're going to move into rapid fire, and I'm going to uh -oh. press you here. Rapid fire, you have to you have to keep it short, otherwise I'm going to not do a buzzer, but I will think okay, about it. Okay, okay. You you know I don't do rapid fire, but I'm going to give it a shot. What is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the past year that has helped? Using Asana for the Coke Drive. What sort of tech dragons, difficulties, if you may? that you need to slay in the coming year? Capacity, understanding how to support our digital efforts and when at core we are an in-person experience. Talk to me about Talk to me about a mistake that the, the young Gary who joined New York Cares in the very beginning made that now shapes the way you do things. <laughs> 
I created uh, working with the team here, the team leader training program that has now kind of outgrown itself. And, and uh, it's been interesting watching something I've built that now needs to be knocked back down and built by smarter people at the size that we're fortunate to work at today. If I were to throw you in the hot tub time machine and send you now back to when you were graduating from college and moving into your first role in the sector, what advice would you give that that aspiring Gary? I would let everybody know uh, when you're first working the front lines, uh, as I'm fond of saying, um, leadership always looks like a stupid person who can't make a simple decision. Uh, and as I've advanced, I, sometimes that is true, but generally it's that the problems actually have more facets to them than you see from, um, from the one perspective you look at. And uh, if you can look up and think what else is making this decision hard to make, that'll be the fastest way you can actually advance your professional career. I never do this, but I have to actually stop rapid fire and plus one that so hard. That is the <laughs> exact verbatim advice that I would give to myself. Uh, and then it's hilarious. Later in my career, I'm like, what a jerk I was. I just didn't <laughs> understand like anything. The world was so simple until you deal with more than you and your tiny little universe, George. There you so, go. I do you. say, George, that it's the leadership curse is that oh. one day – it's you will be though. treated the way you treated. That's the leader. Beautiful. <laughs> it comes back. This is yeah. called karma, and I'm living it. It's, um, all, it's all good. Um, okay. And back to rapid fire. Do you believe that nonprofits can successfully go out of business? Yes. I, I think it's hard because I think uh, with boards, founders, funders, it's a bit more complex. Um, but I would say... New York Cares is an example where we're proud to be taking on the work of a group called Learning Leaders that successfully went out of business um, and, and wanted its remaining assets to come to New York Cares so that we could carry forward their mission of engaging parents to volunteer in public schools. So I think it was hard. Um, I think there was pro I'm guessing there were a lot of tears, um, and, but it was a success. What is something that you think you personally should stop doing professionally? Oh, boy. Um, wow, that's a really, really good question. Um, I should stop eating lunch while I'm working. I think I don't separate and, you know, it's, it's like all it is is indigestion and inefficient work. <laughs> if you had a hairy pond water uh, wand for waving across the industry to fix one thing, what would it do? It would elevate the importance of boards and, and training individuals to be good board members. What advice would you give college grads currently looking to enter the social impact sector? My advice would be this doesn't pay off right away. Uh, and it's, a, it's an exciting journey. Um, and there's so much to be done, to be learned uh, through this work. Um, first, I would say join the social sector and, and listen. And finally, Gary, 
the softball. How do people find you? How do people help you? <laughs> uh, you can help New York Cares by visiting newyorkcares.org. That's one word all spelled out. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter nice and easily. Um, if you can, as I always say, if you can give us an hour of your time or if you can give us $10, uh, you can help make New York City a better place to live. We'll put it to good work. Uh, we'll try to apply the kind of thinking that hopefully you just enjoyed hearing about here uh, to anything we do. Gary, I'd love talking with you. Thank you for being so generous with your time and knowledge. George, thank you for helping us spread the word on the way we work and what we do. In this shell, it is so insecure. Well, I think it's all been said by Gary there. The ideas uh, he talks through, hopefully you can think about implementing with regard to, you know, tracking, designing experiences for volunteers or people that are working in the field to deepen relationships. Play around with some of the, the tech out there. You know, Whole Whale has got resources on how to create uh, these basic tests with text messaging, SMS, uh, calls to action, which simply say, hey, text this number and then get this link to go do a thing and it can be implemented from the field so play around with it do small tests and see also have those hard conversations about programs that are and aren't returning on the investment measured in both dollars and time be it volunteers or staff uh, you know new york cares has gotten to the size it has and the impact by doing the right things in the right way over time so episode number 107 you'll find those resources on our website and as always thanks for joining us this has been using the whole whale stories of data and technology in the social impact world resources as always may be found at wholewhale.com slash podcast thanks for joining us special thanks to gregthomasmusic.org this guy is awesome he does all our music it is great music greg can do your music it will be great music go find him gregthomasmusic.org thanks greg